Indeed, it has been a great morning already as we have reflected on the faith of those that go before us and particularly had opportunity to witness some of the transference of that faith and seeking to grow up and know and love the God of Scripture as we've witnessed individual lives express their faith in God through the testimony of baptism as well as as we've seen, many of our children recognized for their devotion to uh, learning the Word of God. And I want to begin this morning as we continue in Genesis with uh, a verse that we've looked at several weeks ago from Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 7, that speaks of uh, the importance of passing on uh, faith and the importance of a covenant of faith that extends to generation after generation. But God told Abraham, as recorded in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, he said, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now we know from God's word and we know particularly from our time recently looking at God's word in Genesis that God had established this covenant, the special relationship with Abraham as Abraham walked by faith in him and he was going to bless Abraham and use Abraham in a great way to extend uh, the truth of uh, walking uh, by God in faith to, to the descendants of Abraham. And this was something that didn't stick or stay with just Abraham and his relationship to God. This was something that was passed on to the descendants, to the offspring that came and followed after Abraham. So Abraham was responsible uh, for teaching and for training his children what it meant to walk by faith in the God of Scripture. And likewise, we too are responsible for teaching and training children and what it means to know and follow after the God of Scripture by faith. So this relationship, this covenant relationship that was established through faith was to be passed down to Abraham's physical descendants. And we also know that, that all of those, all of us gathered here this morning who have placed our faith in Jesus, placed our faith in the God of Scripture, that we too are descendants in a different nature. We are spiritual descendants of this man Abraham, remember that song that we learned growing up as children in the church, Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And certainly, I'm sure that calls back many memories. I told, uh, I'll tell you what I told the group in the first service. That's the closest you're ever going to get to hearing me sing uh, in this microphone right here. But just like Abraham... Just like Abraham was responsible for passing on a legacy of faith, passing the torch of faith in the one true God to his descendants that came after him, you and I are responsible for passing on a legacy of faith to the generations that come after us. And the central truth, I believe, that we see from God's word this morning as we come to Genesis 25 is that God's people are called to participate in his ongoing program through faithful parenting. That's a privilege for us. God's people are called to participate, to be active participants in His program, in His plan, His plan that spans the generations through faithful 
parenting. Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me to Genesis chapter 25 as we come to our final message in this particular sermon series, Gospel Threads, from the book of Genesis. We'll be taking a break for several weeks, beginning next week as we begin a new series titled Rediscover Jesus. We look at the New Testament letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. But today, let's look together at Genesis chapter 25, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. And there, God's word reads this way. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Some good masculine names there, aren't they? Verse 3, Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Latushites, and the Lumites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephah, Hanok, Abida, and Elda. All these were descendants of Keturah. Verse 5, we read, Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. We'll stop there and pause uh, for a few minutes. But here we have some new information, some new details new content that we've not been given yet as we've been journeying uh, with Abraham through this story. And it's important that we recognize that these details are here for the sake of completeness. They sort of complete some missing components that took place before Abraham's death. But these are more than just mere details. This is more than just mere content for the sake of content. Have you ever read a portion of God's Word, maybe a section like this or elsewhere, and we've come to some of these types of passages in Genesis and sort of stood back and thought, you know, this author must have just been trying to fill up the page. He must have been reaching for some some names and some places and some things simply to finish uh, what uh, he was supposed to write. Perhaps you think that uh, the, the author of Genesis in a place like this was like the student who was simply trying to Uh, fulfill the um, requirement of page numbers in a research paper or uh, reach the word count uh, of an English paper assignment. And I can remember some conversations uh, in college uh, among peers, among students who would get together and talk about how you can slightly alter, you can slightly adjust the margin requirements and it's really not that noticeable and your page is lengthened by pretty good little clip. Perhaps you can, and in all honesty, I remember uh, a fellow uh, classmate talking about how you could adjust the font size. You could increase the font size of just your periods and how that would lengthen your paper as if uh, the, the amount of time that it took to, went, to go in and do that uh, was more worth it than writing another paragraph or two. Um, but God's word is not this way. That's important for us to recognize. The authors of Scripture didn't, didn't operate based on that principle because there is no fluff in Scripture. There's no filler in God's Word. We know from Scripture, Scripture teaches about itself, that all of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It's useful for, for, for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sure our Bible drillers 
remember that verse or familiar with that verse. But all the scriptures. So what does that mean for us as we come to a passage like this? As we come to verses like this? Well, it means that there is something here that God is communicating to us. There is something here in God's word in Genesis chapter 25 verses 1 through 6 and 1 through 7, 1 through following that God has for us to inform us about who he is and about what it means to walk by faith in him. And firstly, I think God is communicating to us that he is a faithful God. Once again, reminding Abraham and reminding other readers, other followers of the God of scripture such as us that are gathered here this morning, that he is a faithful God. Because back in Genesis chapter 17, God made very clear to Abraham that he was going to bless him and make his name great. There would be many nations that would come through this man, Abraham. And now here, at the end of Abraham's life, we read about these offspring, these sons, and about these peoples who came from these sons, the fulfillment of a promise from God. But... Think even more primary, more important than that for us to take from God's word here in Genesis chapter 25 is I think we are to see what it is that Abraham is doing. And Abraham is taking every step that he can to ensure that his son, his sons, particularly his son Isaac, receives the blessing of God. Taking every step to make sure that this legacy of faith is passed on to his children. And church, the faithful are called to do the same thing. The faithful must ensure that the next generation walks by faith in God. That is part of our responsibility. That is part of our calling. That is part of our task as believers in the God of Scripture. That we must ensure that the next generation walks by faith in the one true God of Scripture. And we read here about... Abraham giving his various sons these gifts and then sending them off. And then blessing, giving everything else that he has to his son Isaac. Ultimately to ensure that God's program, that God's plan of redemption, that he knows God has revealed will take place through the descendants of Isaac. He is doing everything he can to make sure that that indeed takes place. In other words, he is acting on the basis of what God has already told him is going to be fulfilled. And you and I as Christians, as followers of Christ, are called to do the same thing. We are called to to take every step that we can to teach and to train our children so that they then, in turn, grow up to know and to follow the one true God of Scripture. And I'm so thankful for this church, for a church that recognizes and appreciates the importance of instilling and teaching the faith The one true faith, a faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Two children. A church that values discipling kids, coming alongside parents for the sake of teaching and training them to know and to follow after the God of Scripture. For there is nothing in all of life. No activity, no success, no pleasure, no relationship, nothing that satisfies like knowing and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that God has revealed Himself to us. He has shown Himself to us through His written Word. And so what does this look like for us as we seek to pass on the faith to generations that follow? Well, firstly, I think it means that we read the Scriptures with our children. 
Read the scriptures with your children. Value time in God's word. Value time in the Bible alongside children. Many of us have adopted practices and done things over the years. Raising kids, reading, reading children's books to them, reading bedtime stories to them. And what a good practice that is. But if we're not already, why not incorporate the Bible into that? Read Scripture, read the Bible, study the Bible, learn it, apply it, live it alongside our children. I know, just, I know that at this point there are probably some of you that are checking out, thinking, okay, this, this message does not apply too closely uh, to me because I no longer have kids in the home, perhaps never had children in the home. But don't check out because this applies to you as well. For as a church... As a church, we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to come alongside each other for the sake of assisting each other, of helping each other walk this journey of discipleship, this faith journey in, in the one true God. So let's come alongside each other. Let's read scriptures with children. Let's pray for our children. Secondly, pray for your children. Pray for your children. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to me, even now, even today, to every so often hear my mother or my grandmother remind me, tell me, that they pray for me every single day. Folks, let's pray for children. Let's pray for children. They will grow up to know and to follow and love the God of Scripture. For God is a God who, who invites us to pray to Him. He invites us to speak to Him and He hears our prayers. And He is a God who answers prayers. So let's pray for our children. Thirdly, let's pray with our children. Read the scriptures with your children. Pray for your children. Pray with your children. We are tasked. We are given the responsibility of teaching and training children what it means to talk with, to converse with, to hear from the Almighty God of Heaven. What a great privilege that is. Instructed in scripture to pray continually. Let's do that. Let's model that. Let's Pray alongside our children, teaching them how to talk with God. And fourthly, let's mirror God's love to children. Mirror God's love to your children. And this is so important for all of us, but this is certainly especially important for fathers. As we have a heavenly father who is gracious with us who loves us, who cares for us, who provides for us, who has given us the perfect example of what it means to be a faithful parent, particularly a faithful father. And I have to share one one story with you here that happened in my own uh, parenting journey, happened just last night, and I thought in the providence of God, this fits in with what is going on here. But one of the things that I've been trying to teach uh, my daughter Kinsley is, uh, my love for her just because she's my, my daughter, because she is my child. And so on occasion, I have uh, communicated to her that, that my love for her is not dependent on what she does. It's not dependent on what she does or what she doesn't do. I, I love her simply because she is my child, just like our Father in Heaven loves us simply because we are His. His love for us is not dependent on what we do or accomplish or what we don't do. And so uh, some time back, uh, probably two or three times, I've said something to the effect, Kinsley, I love you, uh, and I will always love you. No matter what you do, I will always love you. I will even love you when you do bad things. 
And um, last night, uh, about bedtime, and we were talking as we were getting ready to pray before uh, bed. I think she was simply trying to delay the fact that she was having to go to bed. But she said, Daddy, I love you so much. She said, I will always love you. I will even love you when you do bad things. (laughs) And folks, how thankful we can, can really be because we have a God who is gracious to us who is compassionate to us, whose love for us is not dependent on what we can accomplish on our own. He simply loves us unconditionally. So let's be faithful parents. Let's be faithful aunts and uncles and grandparents and neighbors and friends who love children and reflect God's character to our children. Fifthly, let's serve with our children. Let's teach them more and more about what it means to follow the God of Scripture by coming alongside them and serving the Lord together with them. Because one of the great privileges that we have as as people who make up the church is that we are called and privileged to come alongside each other, to grow together in our walk with the Lord. We are not called to follow God in isolation, but we are given the church as a family, as an extension of a family of believers to rally together and to follow Him, to serve Him together. Let's teach children. Let's teach children that we serve one another because we are compelled out of God's love for us. After all, He is the one who who did not come to this earth to to be served, but to serve, right? Jesus said, I not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Folks, let's read the scriptures with children. Let's pray for children. Let's pray with children. Let's mirror God's love, His character to children, and let's serve our children. Because as people of faith, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people of God, we are called to participate in His ongoing program through faithful parenting. So that generations may continue after us in living out a living faith, a one true faith in the God of the Bible. And folks, the good news for us is that we are not alone in this. We are not called to do this by ourselves. In fact, no one, including a child, no one can can be forced or programmed to, to receive salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Rather, it is God who is working through us. It is God who has privileged us with this task, with this responsibility, and we are promised in His Word that that God is with us. In fact, Jesus, before, before He ascended, before He left this earth, and He was speaking to His disciples, and He gave the Great Commission, well-known passage of Scripture. He told His followers, He told His disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Tall task. We cannot remember, cannot forget, rather, excuse me, his next words, Jesus said, and surely I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of In other words, the implication is that we can't do this without His presence working in and through us. 
We ought to be grateful that He is with us and He goes before us and behind us and works through us to produce other followers of Jesus Christ. And He is able to accomplish great things. For nothing is impossible for Him. And the same God is with us that was with Abraham. He still has the same desires and same capabilities as he expressed through Abraham's own life. For his character is unchanging. We sang about that already this morning. That God is the same. Author of Hebrews said it this way. That Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is with us and he is faithful. God is always faithful. His word never fails. His promises never fail. What he says he will do, he does. Folks, another truth that we learn from God's word in Genesis chapter 25 is that God's faithfulness to his promises continues from generation to generation. God's faithfulness to his promises continues from generation to generation. He was not just faithful in Abraham's day. He is faithful in every day. And his plans span the generations. And we see this right here in Genesis chapter 25. So look back at the story with me, picking up in verse 7. There we read that Abraham lived 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. Once again, right here, a reminder of God's faithfulness. For God had promised Abraham, recorded in chapter 15, verse 15, that he would live to a ripe old age. And now, once again, we have a testimony to God's faithfulness because Abraham did just that. Look back, verse 9. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. The field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. And there Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Be'er Lahai Roy. Once again, we're reminded of this burial site here at the end of Abraham's life, a place that we were introduced to a couple weeks ago, a couple chapters ago, as Abraham, by faith, purchased land in a foreign country expecting God's promises to be fulfilled, even though he couldn't see them at the time, knowing that, that the, norm, the normal custom was for him to go back to his ancestral homeland and for his family to be buried there. He knew that God had promised them this land, the promised land, the land of Canaan, so he had set down roots right there, once again reminded of his faithfulness and God to bring about his program, even though it extended beyond just his own life. That God's plans are eternal. That he will continue his program of redemption beyond Abraham's life. It's an important reminder for the rest of us that there is no one individual, even Abraham, that is indispensable in God's program. Faithful believers die. Something that we as a church family have certainly been reminded of recently. And we grieve their loss. And there's nothing that can take away the importance of grieving, the necessity of grieving, the heartache that comes with losing loved ones here. But certainly, we don't grieve as those who have no hope because we know that God's plans extend beyond the grave and that He continues to call other faithful believers to continue walking by faith in Him, carrying on His program of redemption in this world. So God is a mighty God. 
He's an eternal God. He is a wise God. He is all-knowing. He is grand. He is faithful. And He is worthy. So as people of faith in the God revealed in Scripture, let's worship the everlasting God. Worship the everlasting God. Folks, as we gather together to worship, and certainly worship is not just something we do when we gather together. Worship is a lifestyle of, of devotion to God, but we have the opportunity each week to come together and worship alongside each other. And who God is ought to inform how we worship Him. And we know from His Word that He is an everlasting God. That His plans span generation after generation after generation. And for that, He is worthy. Let's walk by faith in this One who is our provider, this One who is our maker, this One who is our redeemer, this One who is our friend, this One who is faithful to His promises. So as we experience the ups and downs of life, as we experience the successes and the trials, as we experience the joys and the pains, let's ask God to give us a kingdom of God perspective. Ask God to give us a kingdom of God perspective. Let's invite him to open our eyes to to see his story, to see his program, to see his plan that is certainly beyond just what our eyes can see, beyond just what we experience from day to day. And as we do so, let's walk by faith in God to accomplish his program. Let's believe his word because he is faithful. Let's believe his promises because His word never fails. And because we as people of faith believe it to be true, let's walk by faith in him to accomplish his programs, knowing that his plan is greater than our lives, that he is working beyond our lives, that he is working between our lives, and that he will continue working after our lives. So let's work to pass on a legacy of faith in him. For God's people are called to participate in his ongoing program through faithful parenting. Father, we are thankful for this day. We are thankful for the opportunity to to look at your word together. We are thankful that you reveal yourself to us through your word, that you desire to be known by us, Lord, that you desire to lead us, that you desire to be our God and for us to be your people. Lord, we are thankful for that privilege. We are thankful for that opportunity. We are thankful that you love us despite our shortcomings, that you love us despite our sin, Lord, that you desire to to be known by us. And Father, help us to be faithful followers of you. Lord, help us to be people who invest in children for the sake of children continuing to love and follow and to know the gospel, to know Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you've been glorified during this time. We pray that you would continue to lead us and that you would receive praise from us now. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things.